As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here we are to close the book on week number 15 uh, with our Bears dropping another one, their eighth loss in nine games to the Minnesota Vikings, um, or their eighth loss in nine games to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, 17 to nine. And, uh, don't let that nine fool you. It wasn't a one score game. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't that close, uh, at all. So, um, this is, um, what is it? It's at least our second loss in a row in soldier field against the Vikings, our second loss in a row in soldier field on Monday night, uh, to the Vikings. So, uh, maybe the bears can continue our win streak in Minneapolis. We've won the last three, 2018, 2019, and 2020, uh, out there, so maybe we'll go ahead and make it uh, a clean sweep of four in a row uh, and get our last win of the season, uh, week 18. But uh, the Vikings are in the playoff hunt right now, so they'll have something to play for, I'm sure, when we get to week 18. So, Or maybe they won't. They got the Rams and the Packers and then us again. So, yeah, they might not have a chance to win a game again until they play us week 18. So, anyway... We're going to go ahead and, and recap this mess. We got knee-jerk reactions. We got some thoughts uh, and, uh, you know, conclusions about what was going on uh, last night. Had a chance to reflect on last night's game and, uh, you know, uh, we got an opinion or two about some things that I said uh, yesterday. So let's go ahead and dive right in. This is the Deep Dive Week 15 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Much like the Lions game, the Bears kind of went into this one, or at least Bear fans uh, at least uh, went in, or were, well, actually, uh, let's start over. <laughs> Going into this one initially, Bear fans had a sense that uh, this was a very winnable game for us. Hell, all four of our last, all of our, all four of our last games uh, were winnable. We got two against the Vikings. Next week, we got Seattle in Seattle, so that'll be a little bit tougher, but Seattle uh, lost tonight um, on uh, on Tuesday night football to the Rams to fall to five and nine. They're only one game better uh, than us. And then next week we have uh, the Giants in the home finale uh, at Soldier Field, and, and the Giants are f- what four and four and ten, something like. They're the same as same record as uh, same record as us. I mean, the funny thing is. You know, that Justin Fields trade is looking a bit more lopsided as far as the Giants are concerned because now the first rounder we gave up for Justin Fields is the fifth overall pick in the draft. So, yeah, the Giants definitely won that trade. I mean, I I think long-term we win for sure. But as far as immediate return, you know, thanks to Nagy and his broken offensive system and his lousy, his lousy, just his lousy plan. The, the, the implementation of the plan, the whole steadfast sticking with Dalton and no plan B whatsoever uh, and everything like that's kind of made this first year for Justin Fields a, a wasted year, a, a, um, a warm-up season, if you will, as opposed to, you know, a true development year. I mean, basically all Justin Fields has learned is, is something he knew about himself at, at Ohio State is that he can handle this. He can handle it, and now he knows he can handle it at the NFL level as far as being able to handle adversity and bounce back. He is mentally strong enough to be able to take whatever the NFL's got to dish out to him. That is essentially all he's learned this year. 
That is essentially all he's learned. That and that Tevin Jenkins has his back and no one else does. So we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. But, um, you know, as far as immediate returns in 2022, the fifth pick in the draft and the Giants, because of their record, are picking five and six. So if they want to move on from Daniel Jones, they definitely have the ammunition uh, to do so. But um, there are, unfortunately for them, there aren't any Trevor Lawrence's or Justin Fields or uh, even Zach Wilson's or, or Mac Jones uh, in this next draft. So, um, yeah. Not a good year to have multiple first round picks, but when you're uh, also when you're four and ten and you're picking in the top five uh, of the draft, uh, pretty much anybody can help you at that point. But um, anywho, you know we and then of course like we have like I said we have week eighteen uh, against the Vikings. All four of these games very winnable. Completely wouldn't wouldn't have shocked me at all if the Bears had won all four. It's also not going to shock me at all if we lose all four or anything in between, um, just because that's how this season has gone. Uh, everything makes sense, and then nothing makes sense all at the same time. And yesterday, I think, was a perfect example of that adage right there. Everything and nothing makes sense all at the same time. It makes sense that, you know, Justin Fields is showing, you know, true grit and true progress and moving the ball down the field, 285 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions, uh, you know, move the ball up and down the field very well. And then it also made complete sense that we stick to our MO and completely fall apart uh, in the red zone, whether it be, you know, stupid mistakes and penalties or a horrible play calling that the defense sees coming, uh, going for it on fourth down and blowing it uh, and things like that. So that all makes sense. Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense that we'd be able to so easily march down the field and then fall apart uh, in the red zone. And then at the same time, it makes complete sense because that's what we've done all season long. It's It was just a perfect encapsulation of the season uh, yesterday for the Bears to thoroughly dominate, to have our first truly victory-worthy performance on defense in months in months, it has been months since the, we could say the defense played well enough for us to win and then for us not to be able to uh, pull through and, uh, you know, answer the call on offense. So, you know, it, it was it was also kind of perfect that yesterday the Vikings won the game, but they didn't beat us. They did not beat us. We lost more than they won uh, last night. It's, you know, like I said, nothing makes sense and everything all at the same time. That is, that is basically the theme uh, for today's uh, review episode. So going into this week, we, it was the start of four winnable games. And then all of a sudden, because the football gods have a glorious sense of humor, we started dropping like flies as far as COVID was concerned to the point where we got to the field on Monday. We had no idea who we were even putting out there. Like, I don't even think. I Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I bothered making a prediction with Chris uh, Gates when we had him on the show for the preview last week because I was like, I don't even know who we're going to have out there. Uh, for all I know, between, you know, when, when I spoke to Chris on Wednesday and when the, uh, when, the, when the football game took place five days later, we could have lost Justin Fields. We, you know, we could lose everybody else on, on top of it and maybe have to forfeit or, God forbid, it gets pushed back a day or something like that to try to give us more time to, to get people off the protocols and stuff like that. And, and God forbid if that happened, the only people we would have gotten back are Duke Shelley and um, Duke Shelley, and there was one other person that came off, of, uh, came off the protocols. But then at the same time, Bilal Nichols went onto COVID list today. So... 
<sighs> yeah, so we, we could be running into this all over again uh, next Sunday uh, against the uh, Seahawks, or maybe we'll be talking about it next Monday afternoon or next Tuesday uh, because our game got pushed back to make room for the protocols. I mean, and I think we're actually more um, more um, susceptible to that considering that the Seahawks, who were supposed to play on Sunday, just played tonight uh, against the Rams because of COVID. Their games got pushed back all the way to Tuesday. So if nothing else, the NFL would want to give the Seahawks a little extra time to prepare and get ready because they're going on like a four-day, like they're only going to have four days off, five days off between games to play on Tuesday and then again uh, on Sunday. So maybe we're going to be the Monday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon game uh, next next week or something like that. If, you know, say if, if cases rise or if, you know, uh, or something else happens with the Seahawks to be able to push it back to give the Seahawks and the Bears a little extra time to get ready uh, for the uh, football game. So, yeah, it's because um, I, I think it was the Seahawks. I think of like of all the three, the, the, the games that got pushed back, all three, the Raiders and Browns, the Rams and Seahawks, the Eagles and the football team, Washington, um, there was at least one team that was suffering like that. With the Raiders and Browns, it was the Browns. With the Seahawks and the Rams, it was the Rams, actually. So, but with the like I said, with Seattle being on that short week, only having five days to prepare um, for a four, if you give the guys a day off, for God's sake, um, maybe the our game would be more susceptible to be one that gets pushed back uh, to Monday or possibly even uh, Tuesday um, to give those teams. I mean, especially since the Bears are having difficulties. I mean, we're still at 13 players, even with the guys that came off the list, we added another one back on. So we got two back and then put one back on the list in Bilal Nichols. So I forget who the second one was. I know one was Duke Shelley. I think they were both DBs. So maybe I think Artie Burns was the other one. Artie Burns and Duke Shelley came back, but Bilal Nichols went on. So go figure. But um, so we'll see. But it's like going into that week and like I said, talking to Chris no idea who the who the Bears were going to put on the field. No idea how to even predict uh, this football game because Jason Peters was out with the ankle injury. So, um, you know, I mean, you know, Jermaine Afidi came off the IR at the last minute and he ended up playing uh, last night. So that Tevin Jenkins got his first start at left tackle as opposed to, you know, Peters comes in, he plays left tackle, we shift Jenkins over to the Right side where I feel he'd be more comfortable at this point, but whatever. And, um, you know, who knows? Who knew what was going on? I mean, and then like, not only did we have like 14 guys on the COVID list, eight guys didn't practice a day last week due to an illness. Thankfully, every single one of them came back the next day and all of them played uh, on, on Monday. But we're a mess right now. So it was like all that confidence that things could go well, or at least we have a shot uh, in this football game, all fell by the wayside before kickoff because we didn't know who was going to be on the field. Our entire secondary was on the COVID list. Eddie Jackson, Deshaun Gibson, Jalen Johnson, and Artie Burns, every last one of them on the COVID list. And whoever are starting, oh, and Duke Shelley was our, was our nickelback, all five of them. On the COVID list. So we're literally pulling guys off the practice squad, playing guys that hadn't seen a snap all season long or that had been up and down on the practice squad. Our starting secondary yesterday was Kendall Vildor, hip, hip, hooray, uh, Thomas Graham Jr. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Tease Tabor and Dion Bush. So a bunch of backups and practice squad guys were our starting secondary. And what was the result? 12 of 24 for 87 yards and an interception from that secondary as opposed to the secondary that's got a, well, I mean, Jalen Johnson's been playing lights out pretty much all season, but, you know, Artie Burns and Kendall Vildor as the other corners, garbage. Uh, Eddie Jackson, second highest paid safety in all of football behind Jamal Adams, garbage. Deshaun Gibson, not very good. So, you know, so we take all the money and the quote-unquote talent off the field, and then we put those guys out there, and uh, they scrap their way to holding Kurt Cousins and more importantly, Justin Jefferson to under 100 yards receiving on the entire football game. So what do I know? But um, well, we knew we were getting Akeem Hicks back going into the game. And, um, you know, it, it just, uh, 
it was frightening to think about what was going to happen in this ballgame. We had no idea what to expect. With the, 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 with the way that the Vikings were scoring points this year and how shorthanded we were on defense, despite that supposedly being the better unit on our football team, it just, it just looked like this was one of those games where the floodgates would open and we'd be down, you know, like what we were expecting last week in Green Bay, that we'd be down 31 to nothing at halftime or something like that for all the trouble that the Vikings have had scoring points this year. But um, instead, it was a dogfight from start to finish, pretty much. I mean, the, the real bitch of it was, no matter, despite how well we played at times, we couldn't get out of our own way most of the time in order to give Minnesota an opportunity that they they did not earn. A lot of the opportunities that Minnesota earned or that got yesterday, they did not earn. They didn't earn. So it was frustrating to say the least. And going into the first quarter, knee-jerk reaction, you know, it was like the defense showed some flash early but gave up an early touchdown. And our offense, on the other hand, like I said, could not get out of its own way. This will be a running theme throughout the knee-jerk reactions is me talking about how the first key to the game for this game and for several others and for the Seattle game, spoiler alert, is going to be stop beating yourselves. And it was something that we proved to be incapable of doing. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, Bears and Vikings first quarter. Not a good first quarter uh, for the Bears. Um I mean, the, the defense was able to get Minnesota out on the first offensive drive. Minnesota started with the ball. They got a first down, and then we forced them to punt. And it, it looked like maybe we were going to get something going pretty much right away on offense when David Montgomery got a good, like, 12-yard gain on the first play of the game, only to have that called back by a holding call, and that derailed the entire drive because the Bears uh, got nothing and ended up punting from basically their own end zone. Uh, after that, Minnesota took that drive, went right down the field uh, for a Justin Jefferson touchdown in the corner of the end zone from Cousins to go up 7 nothing. The Bears get the ball back, and again, Montgomery, boom, right up the gut, 12 yards, second, or actually 9 yards because it was like second and inches. Then we hand it off to Montgomery. He gets the first down. The next play after that was, um, well, Jakeem Grant had a decent sweep, but once again, we take Montgomery off the field after he's doing well. Montgomery has those two nice runs, three if you want to count the first one. And no, so we take him out of the game. We give the ball to Jakeem Grant. And then on the following play, Justin Fields, uh, on a keeper, goes around the, around the edge. The defender hits him just the right way for the ball to come squirting out, picked up by Anthony Barr, and the, kills another drive. So those were the two drives for the Bears on offense and now we just got this bogus call on Deion Bush which just extended the drive we had the Vikings third and seven they try to go for the tight end and he throws in a triple coverage Ogletree and Tease Tabor and Deion Bush were all there they flagged Deion Bush for the defenseless receiver when you go back and you look at it he doesn't hit um, the, the, the tight end illegally he was going for the ball and he just it was incidental contact with the with the head and neck but that doesn't matter they're showing it again right as we're coming back from commercial yeah he punches he punches at the ball and then just runs into Conklin because that's where his momentum is taking him and Nagy's damn near assaulting a referee on the sideline for it nice to see he's still got a pulse but that's where we are oh and he got flagged for it look at that so probably half the distance to the goal and a fresh set of downs for the Vikings as we start the second quarter down seven to nothing. And the Vikings are at our 12 yard line. So nice to see that uh, Nagy had some life and that uh, he was out there uh, doing some things and, and uh, you know, uh, preaching our cause uh, to the referees. And um, I didn't really mind that he got the, the flag. It, it was nice to, to not that. Nagy's an emotionless, you know, guy on the sideline uh, or anything like that. But it was nice to see him affecting the game uh, that way. Silly as that might sound, um, you know, it's nice to see that Nagy's not phoning it in uh, because he has to know. If he hasn't been told already, 
he's done at the end of the season. So he has to know. The writing's on the wall. It's been there since week three against Cleveland, but whatever. Um, but, I mean, this was just the beginning of, A, us beating ourselves, and then on top of that, um, that's what made winning this football game so difficult for the Bears. Not only were we making the stupid mistakes to beat ourselves, the referees were killing us with the with the calls. That that call for uh, against uh, Deion Bush was just the tip of the iceberg. This was literally just the beginning uh, of what uh, what the football game would would become uh, as we went along. And then, of course, there's the Vikings. So the Bears were playing against three teams, including themselves, uh, in this game on Monday night. And because of that, I'm actually kind of stunned. It was a 17 to nine. Uh, final score. I'm surprised it wasn't 71 to nine for for everything that the Bears were up against that night. So not not only were we having a very you know decent hand in in beating ourselves, the referees were sure as hell out to get us. And then you know obviously the Vikings putting in their efforts against this extremely shorthanded uh, football team. Maybe you know taking a step back, you got to be proud of the effort that we put in. And quite frankly, I am. It's just that it was so frustrating to watch with, with all the effort and everything that we were putting into this to come away with nothing. Uh, the way that we did four red zone trips, you know, as, as I kind of skip to the end here, four red zone trips for the bears, three points to show for it. Three. I mean, I, you know, technically it was five. We scored on the last play. Technically we were in the red zone. So we were one for five overall. But as far as like, in actual game time when it mattered, 0 for 4 as far as touchdowns in the red zone, three points. We got one lousy field goal out of those trips. So that's no way to win a football game. And we've watched the Bears struggle with that all year long. And, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, with like 30th or 31st in the league in scoring points for a reason because we don't. We just don't. And we didn't get special teams help today. Jakeem Grant went out early. Uh, with a concussion and we didn't get anyone any of those we didn't have those great returns that set us up with short fields and things like that we didn't have those dynamic big plays like we had against Green Bay last week so when when we don't have those big lucky plays you know we have to march down the field and the Bears have proven we can't really do that on a consistent basis and that's why they're stuck in in the in the uh, in the place that they're stuck now so, I mean, it, it, it kind of looked like we were doomed from the start. First play of the game, Montgomery, monster run, right up the gut, called back for holding. And that pretty much killed the drive from there, like I said, in the knee-jerk reaction. And that was pretty much how the offense did all night long. It was a one-step forward, two or three steps back uh, on offense all night long. Anytime that we had some kind of progress, there would be some kind of mistake, whether it be a turnover like Justin Fields. And the thing, it was such a freak kind of fumble type thing because the guy wasn't going for the ball. He just happened to, like, Fields has got it pretty well tucked in, so it was not like he was holding it like a loaf of bread in his arm or he's, you know, got his hand out because he's trying to throw. He's got it cradled in there real good because he is a runner on that play, and it just happened to hit the hit his arm just the right way that the point of the football that was tucked in to the tucked into his uh you know into the nape of his arm there just just pop right out ball comes out and the I, I will give the the Vikings credit for one thing for all the things that they didn't do yesterday for all the things that the Bears did to themselves and made things easier for the Vikings they were Johnny on the spot anytime the ball was available cuz there were a few fumbles that the Vikings had that they fell on top of that we couldn't take advantage of so they were uh definitely on it uh, last night when it counted. So, but as we go into the second quarter, it was more of the same, and it was actually not getting much better. Just watching us roll down the field, turning over the football again, and uh, you know, defense was showing up. Defense was playing. Robert Quinn had a sack. Akeem Hicks was was out there doing things. But we had little, we had little to nothing to show for it on defense because we were down ten, down ten to three at the, at the half, and you know offensively, obviously only three points to show for two trips to the red zone. So uh, going into the half, it just um, 
you know, missed opportunities, mistakes, killing ourselves and all that kind of stuff. It is just, it's, it's, it's no wonder this team was four and nine. And at times you felt lucky to have that many wins. <laughs> New York reaction, second quarter bears and Vikings and talk about a quarter of missed opportunities. Um, you know, after fumbling on the, the last drive for, for Justin Fields in the first quarter, the Bears get the ball back. And once again, having a success moving the ball down the field, Montgomery running the ball very, very well. They get the ball. I if, if they weren't inside the red zone, they were damn close. Montgomery's on a sweep to the outside. And f- he f- uh, fumbles the ball for the first time all season. Montgomery... Fumbles the football. The Vikings recover. That kills uh, the drive. It's like the Vikings haven't been able to do anything. They added a field goal at one point. I don't even remember when that was. Actually, I know I put them, put them up ten nothing, but I don't remember. I don't was it was it after the first fumble recovery? I don't think so. The the field goal for the Vikings was it after they recovered the first fumble? Doesn't matter. They scored an they scored a field goal. I mean, but that's how, you know, it's like the, the Vikings haven't been very effective on the offensive side. Robert Quinn has at least one sack. He stripped um, Cousins again here on this last drive. I don't know if that's going to go down as a, a sack or if it just go down as a forced fumble because he didn't really touch uh, Kirk Cousins. But, um, you know, so that's 15 for the year on for, for Quinn. But it's like we've, we've, we finally moved the football well. We held on to it for Christ's sake. We're able to get a field goal to make it 10-3. And then on the in, ensuing drive, under two minutes to go, Kirk Cousins throws an interception. Uh, Justin Jefferson, they claim he got held. He falls down. And, you know, Cousins hits a wide-open Deion Bush down the middle of the field and takes it back. We're in decent field position. We do nothing with the ball. And then uh, Cairo Santos' field goal attempt is blocked. So instead of it being... At the very least, 10 to 9 right now, it's only 10 to 3 because we should have at least gotten a field goal out of the drive where uh, Montgomery fumbled the football and we got that one block there right before uh, the half. And despite the miscues and all that kind of stuff, the Bears are only down 7 and we start with the ball uh, in the second half. So, you know, it's it's the number one key to the game and has been for the last, I don't know, 7 or 8 weeks which is stop beating yourselves, and that's all the Bears have been doing in the first half. Every every one step forward is two steps back, whether it be a penalty or fumbling the ball or anything, or you know, letting a field goal get blocked and things like that. It's always something hampering the Bears, and uh, you know, it's it hasn't been pretty. So, but despite the ugliness, we're only down ten to three, and we start the second half. With the football. Can you tell I wasn't keeping notes last night? I wasn't keeping notes like I have the last couple of games. I still couldn't tell you when that field goal drive came or, or if it was the result of that first fumble from Justin Fields or uh, whatever it was. I still couldn't tell you what drive that came from. I haven't gone back to uh, look. But, again, the the missed opportunities with, with, uh, with Montgomery fumbling – the ball, which he almost never does. It's like him and Forte had that in common. Matt Forte almost never fumbled the football. And Montgomery is the same way. He never, you know, he almost never fumbles. And it happened for the first time. I think they said something like 360 carries or something like that. That's ball security for you right there. And, uh, you know, couldn't have come at a worse time when the Bears were driving and could have at least added a field goal uh, to their total. And it was it was like I said for for what should at the very least be a ten to nine game, because that field goal that got blocked, the fumble recovery or the fumble from Montgomery, we should have at least gotten field goals out of those drives, and even with all the miscues, with all the mistakes, not taking advantage of the um, interception, which we almost never get from this defense. We're only down one score, and we started with the football in in the third quarter. So, I mean, that was the other thing that was so, that was so frustrating about watching this game. It's like watching it all go wrong the way it did, and yet, despite all of that, we still had a shot at this thing. 
The Vikings were not beating us. Like I said, they did not beat us. The Bears lost this game. The Vikings didn't win it. You know, the, the Vikings did very little to, to, to help their own cause, especially on the offensive side. So, I mean, they, they, they ran the ball decently, you know, uh, Dalvin Cook, but he, he had 3.2 yards a carry, so he wasn't gashing us like he does everybody else. Certainly not the 205-yard effort he had against the Steelers uh, a week and a half ago uh, or anything like that. It's it just they, they weren't beating us. They weren't dominating us. You know, Kirk Cousins, 87 yards, only 50% completion percentage. Uh, you know, it's like the two touchdowns kind of throws you off, but those were on short fields both times. He didn't drive the length of the field and throw a touchdown pass. That didn't happen on either drive. So, I mean, it was just, <clears throat> that was that was the thing. With everything that was going wrong, everything that the Bears couldn't seem to do for themselves or, or anything like that, we were in this thing pretty much right up until the end. I mean, you'll hear here after the third quarter, uh, knee-jerk reaction that, uh, you know, we really blew an opportunity right there before uh, the end of the quarter. But it, it was more of the same, and it was starting to get to me at that point that, uh, you know, going into the fourth quarter, there was little to no belief that we could pull this off. You don't hear me say that, but you can definitely hear it in my voice. <coughs> knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Vikings, and it just keeps getting worse and becomes more and more frustrating to sit here and watch. I feel sorry for my buddy who drove an hour and a half just to come here and watch this nonsense take place. Every, literally, every step forward the Bears take, there's two to three steps they take backwards. I mean, I don't know what it is about this offense. They just can't string anything together. Or when it, when it counts, I guess would probably be the more appropriate statement, when it counts they can't put anything together because they've been able to move the ball against the Vikings. But when it matters, when it gets down to like third down, uh, Fields will hang on to the football. He'll he'll try to turn, you know, a sack into another one of those scramble runs of his. And he runs out of real estate and gets sacked for a 20. We had the ball at the 40 yard line at one point. Justin Fields gets sacked all the way back at the 20. So what was what would have been like third and five? ends up being third and 25, and I can't tell you how many times that's happened in this game, let alone, you know, us, as my buddy joke, we have a third and 20 play, which is pathetic, but we've needed it today. We've had how many third and 20-plus uh, plays in this ball game, We've and we just <laughs> can't seem to get out of our own way. We are definitely ignoring the key, number one key to the game every week, which is stop beating yourselves that's really all that's happening because Minnesota, Kirk Cousins has 74 yards passing, but he's also got two touchdowns. He's thrown two touchdown passes uh, in this football game. The Bears blocked a punt on the, on the Vikings' last drive. We blocked a punt. Um, I, guess we get, we, we, I guess we can say we deflected a punt because it, it stopped and spun out at about the 30-yard the line. So overall, I think it was like an 18-yard punt or something like that. For the Vikings, we did nothing with it. We got it down to fourth and one. Justin Fields gets sacked when the offense looked confused. Probably should have called a timeout. David Montgomery wasn't on the field. I mean, it's just been one mess after another. We're down 14. The Vikings have done nothing to beat us, and we're down two scores in this ballgame. So it's third and nine. Uh, for the Vikings, see if the Bears can get the ball back and put something together. You can hear the desperation uh, in, in my voice. Like I just, I can't believe that this is happening with with everything that's kind of fallen into our lap. We can't take advantage of it, and that that is the that is the uh, the, the key to uh, what 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 being a four and ten, which we are now, but to be a losing football team is is not being able to take advantage of these opportunities. That's what good football teams do. That's what great ones thrive at. Bad football teams don't know a good thing when they've got it. And that's basically been Nagy's MO for the last three seasons. Ever since, I don't know if it was that the NFL just figured him out or whatever it was, but in 2019, somewhere between the double doink and 
you know, the first quarter of the Green Bay game, Nagy lost his mojo, and he was never really able to get it back. And, um, you know, this this team has fallen apart uh, under him. And, you know, this football game was like an imperfect encapsulation uh, of this season. Like I said, the opportunities were there. We just couldn't take advantage of them. Uh, we, we get the block punt. We're on the Viking 30-yard line after blocking the punt, and we come away with nothing. We go for it on fourth and one. I will never argue that ever. You know, I was happy to see that we were going for it and not just taking the points. We're down two scores. At that point, we got to take advantage of this field position. We've been struggling to get here. And we go for it. And then, of course, we just have this bananas uh, play call where David Montgomery came off the field due to, like, some kind of equipment malfunction. And rather than call a timeout so we could have our best player on the field in such a critical moment, we go with the play. And I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast this afternoon, and basically it was it came out, like, in the press conferences that uh, I guess Darnell Mooney missed his key. Like as far as like hearing the play and the way that NFL plays are, 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 you know, announced in the huddle is basically what the quarterback is doing is telling everybody within the, the name of the play what their assignment is. And apparently Darnell Mooney missed his key or misheard it or whatever, uh, because number one, the offense looked confused. And that's usually when Nagy would call a timeout. But instead, we went uh, balls to the wall on the play. And, um, you know, uh, Fields missed the missed um, Mooney when he was open because he was going through the keys. If he'd have been able to come back to Mooney faster, he'd have been able to hit him because he was open when he went into the flat. So, but it was just like this amalgamation of things that went wrong. We probably should have called the timeout and, and gone to a different play or just at the very least got Montgomery onto the field to give ourselves a chance to run the football. But instead, we blow the opportunity, come away with nothing, absolutely nothing. We blocked a punt, had the football at the Viking 30-yard line, and it was no harm, no foul for the Vikings. And, you know, it just <laughs> it just was a mess. It was one big mess uh, after, after another on, on that one. So, I mean, it was just so frustrating, so frustrating. I mean, that's, that's been the word of the podcast so far, frustrating, because that's all it was. Um, to, 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 to never really feel like we were out of the game and yet at the same time doing nothing to take advantage uh, of this. The Vikings did not play a good football game and we lost to them. So uh, it just, um, <laughs> you can imagine my disappointment when I woke up this morning to find out that Nagy still had a job because honestly, dude, what is the point? What is the point? Put the poor bastard out of his misery. And, and Hogan, Hogan on the Hogan Johns podcast today made a great point. It's like, let the guy go home and spend Christmas with his family. You know, because this, I mean, just the, the, the fact that we're playing the day after Christmas in Seattle means that we're going to be traveling on Christmas Day to get out there. So he's not spending Christmas with his wife and his kids. He's going to be spending it on an airplane flying to Seattle to get ready for the game on Sunday. And because of the new rules and when you can talk to coaching candidates week 17 and week 18, either Nagy has to be either Nagy has to know that he no longer has a job with the bears or he has to be fired. So could it be, could it be that so the bears can get these conversations started with these potential head coaching candidates that Nagy misses Christmas with his family only to return on Sunday night to find out he's been fired so that we can interview candidates before the end of the season. I mean, I don't think the Bears would do that, but as far as like the Bears have spent all of 2021 doing it wrong, the only thing they did right was draft Justin Fields. That's Fields and actually this draft, Thomas Graham, like I said, we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, you know, Tevin Jenkins, despite his mistakes last night and, and having his rookie moments overall showed the grit and, and vigor that we want to see in somebody playing offensive line in Chicago Bear uniform. And then, of course, Justin, Justin Fields and, um, you know, yeah, Larry Borum, obviously, if he wasn't on the COVID list, he'd have played last night. 
So, yeah, the draft is about all the Bears got right this year. Everything else has been a mess from the press conference from hell all the way up to this point. So while they're on a roll doing things wrong, why not do that? That's based on how they've done the, the wrong thing every single time when, you know, they've had the chance to do A and always did B. Why not? So we'll, we'll have to see. But what, what a frustrating situation it, it is to, to, to know that the, the end is there and we just have to keep waiting for it to be real. So anyway, we go into the fourth quarter, like I said, trying to see if we can garner some, uh, garner some momentum, maybe make a thing or two happen. Because like I said, we, I never that was the, the, like, just the frustrating thing about all of this was that despite all the ways that this thing was going wrong and all the things that the bad calls that went against us and all that kind of stuff, we never really felt like we were out of this football game. But the fourth quarter went the rest of the way that the other quarters went. And, uh, you know, reality came through. The Bears lost again, making it eight out of their last nine. This was a 3-2 and two team that is now 4-10 and ten and, uh, you know, staring down the barrel of, uh, of a very, very lopsided record before this thing is over and done with. Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears, Vikings. Uh, you know, it, uh, a la Jimmy Graham at the end of the Saints playoff game, the, the Bears scored a touchdown on the final play of the game to make it to make it sound like a much closer football game than it ended up being. Uh, that made it 17-9 to nine, uh, in favor of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Bears were just awful tonight. And here's what's funny. The defense was fantastic. The defense was awesome. Four sacks. Uh, they allowed less than 200 yards of like total offense. Kirk Cousins threw the ball for 61 yards today. Something like that. And... Uh, they ran the ball better than they than they threw it, but for a guy that came into the game with 27 touchdowns and only five interceptions, you know he wasn't throwing the ball like that. We just simply could not get out of our own way tonight. Plain and simple, like I, I've been, you know, on all these knee jerk reactions, I've been harping on the whole "stop beating yourselves" thing. That was literally the theme of the night. Literally the theme of the night. You go back and you look at it. The Bears were 2 of 12 on third down. Uh, <laughs> we were 0 for 4 in the red zone. I mean, technically we were 1 for 5 because we scored on the last play of the game. But when it mattered, the Bears were 0 for 4 in the red zone. And just that's that was how the game was lost. Because literally, it, it, it reminds me of 2014. And in 2014... We got swept by the Lions and we didn't and the Lions didn't beat us in either of those games. It was us beating ourselves uh, and ended up losing those games. We lost more than the Lions won. And that's what happened tonight. We lost more than the Vikings beat us. And that's why the Bears have lost eight out of their last nine games. That's why we're four and ten. And that's why we just embarrassed the hell out of ourselves on Monday Night Football. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. 
But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <coughs> it pains me to have to bring up that 2014 season uh, with because that was the year that, uh, you know, that was Tressman's second year where, you know, the rails came off, the inmates were running the asylum on that one with, you know, the whole Aaron Cromer sneaking, you know, talking talking trash about Jay to the press and uh, and all that kind of stuff. But those games against the Lions, um, the Lions were a playoff team that year, so it's not like it was like losing to the 2-11 and 11 Lions this year. But we should have won both of those games. We had opportunities to win both of those games. The home game, I think, was the second one against the Lions. That one especially was where Tressman couldn't get out of his own way trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Because he goes out, and I remember this. We were trying to go for two at the end, and I think on the first play we had like three tight ends and you know all that kind of stuff. We had the setup to run. We tried to throw the ball. It didn't work out. There was a penalty on Detroit. We got another shot. We go wide five, you know, like four wide receivers. We spread out the formation, try to run and get stuffed. You know, it's just like trying to get cute as opposed to just lining it up and running your best goal line play to score the two pointer. And we end up losing the game like 14 to 13 or it was a one point game. We would have won. That's why Tressman was going for it. I didn't have any problem with, with the, with the call to go for it. It was the execution. Same thing with Nagy on his fourth down plays. I didn't have any problem with Nagy going for it when he went for it last night, but it was always about, well, here's the worst play call that we could absolutely put out there, and then we would run it to perfection, as in not running it to perfection and it going back the other way, making you know Minnesota look like some defensive titan when they're one of the worst defenses in the league. It's one of the reasons why Mike Zimmer's not going to be their head coach at the end of the season. So, But it's like looking at the final stats, <laughs> the Bears had 24 first downs to the Vikings 13. They had 13 total. They were 5 of 17 on third down. Uh, like I said in the knee-jerk reaction, we were 2 for 12. Pathetic. We were uh, 2 for 5 on third down. I can't believe we actually got it. 370 yards total offense for the Bears. 193 for the Vikings. And we lost. I'm, and forget the last touchdown. I'm not going to count that one. We lost 17-3 to to the Vikings, having nearly doubled their offensive output as far as yardage uh, was concerned. We averaged 5.3 yards per play to the Vikings, 3.2. Like I said, Kirk Cousins, 12-24, was sacked four times, lost 26 yards. So a total net, like I said, 61 yards passing for the Vikings. Kind of like when we played the... Uh, Browns, and we had 47 yards passing, but we lost 46 yards on our nine sacks. So we had one yard net passing uh, for the day. Uh, the Vikings were two of three in the red zone versus us technically being one for five. We were really 0 and 4 uh, on that one. And we had nine penalties for 91 yards versus seven penalties for the Vikings, but only 54 yards in, in yardage uh, for them. And we actually did. We we lost the turnover battle, obviously three to one. Our three fumbles, um, you know, uh, versus the one Kirk Cousins interception that we did nothing with, and the um, the Bears lost the time of possession battle by forty five seconds. So we it just we we won all over the place as far as the stats were concerned. But again, it was the turnover battle, and it was the red zone. That was that was you know that was it, and. Um, it was enough. It was more than enough for it to cost us. Now, what what went right? Well, I kept alluding that we talk about Thomas Graham Jr. And that kid played out of his mind last night. He really did. Justin Jefferson last night. Let me pull it up real quick. Justin Jefferson had 47 yards. Four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. So not an awful night. But as far as like what what I'm sure anybody, any Viking fan or any Justin Jefferson fantasy owner, after hearing that the Bears' entire secondary, including our nickel corner, was on the COVID list not playing 
on Monday night, you figured they'd have 370 yards in total offense just throwing it to Justin Jefferson alone. Instead, four catches, 47 yards on 10 targets. Four catches on 10 targets. And Thomas Graham had three pass breakups. Um, you know, he did not allow the, 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 he didn't, he wasn't having it. He played outstanding and he was rewarded today. He's been signed to the roster for the rest of the season, knock on wood for the rest of the season. And I'm hoping he better, he better be the other corner on the other side of Jalen Johnson. If Johnson comes back healthy against the, uh, Seahawks on Sunday, he better be the other corner. Forget Artie Burns, forget, uh, you know, uh, Kendall Vildor, forget anybody. It's Thomas Graham's job now. Those should be our corners now. And it also, it's an indictment on the coaching staff and our Italian evaluators. How is it that this is what had to happen in order to give Thomas Graham his shot with all the trouble we've had in the secondary, whether it be the nickel corner spot or just the other corner, the the other corner opposite Jalen Johnson. All the trouble we've had in the secondary, literally all year long, all those busted plays early on where everybody was able to get that big, deep play on us in the first like four weeks of the season. Uh, Just everybody got a shot to do it at least once during the season. And all the trouble that they had. And, and this, this really great flexibility with the practice squad, being able to bring guys up, you know, temporarily. Like we're putting him on the active roster for the football game, but after that he gets relegated back to the practice squad without having to cut someone or move someone off the roster or do anything like that. You can just elevate guys from the practice squad. Just bring a couple of guys up for the game. You know, Kendall Vildor is out there sticking it up. Hey, Thomas Graham, here's your shot. Get in there. Why did we have to wait until week 15? And why did we have to wait until we absolutely had to play him before he got his shot? Now, the Bears look like complete assholes for for waiting. I mean, because for all we know, he's had this in his back pocket the whole year. And he's been waiting to show it to us. And instead, we wait until we're absolutely desperate before we put him out there. And look what he did. One of the best young receivers, or you know, or maybe one of the best receivers overall in the league right now. Four catches on 10 targets for 47 yards. So, yeah. Kudos to him. Way to take, way to take advantage of your shot. Way to do it. And he was rewarded today. He's on the active roster. He's not going anywhere. Knock on wood. You know, but the fact that this is what had to happen in order for him to get his shot, ridiculous. When when anybody that's, you know, followed him during the preseason, and we were saying the same thing about Daz Newsom. All the trouble and, you know, how shorthanded we've been in the wide receiver uh, room, especially with Robinson missing the last several weeks, and he didn't play again last night because he was on COVID list. And everything. Finally, Daz Newsom got to play last night. So, I mean, we didn't see anything from him. I think he was only targeted once and he didn't come up with the catch or something like that. I don't know. But is that what happened? Let me take a look real quick. But, you know, yeah, one, one target for Newsom, zero catches last night. But, you know, it, it's sad that this is what had to happen for Tamis Graham to get his shot. I mean, it, it just leads you to believe that, you know, God forbid we don't have the COVID problems that we had this week. Thomas Graham still practice squad watching from the sidelines and, you know, in a bear hoodie and stuff like that, as opposed to being on the field affecting the game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So uh, he did outstanding. And then finally, Tevin Jenkins. He's struggling as was to be expected. You know, he hasn't played live snaps since like maybe November of last year before he opted out on the last few games of uh, of his time at Oklahoma State and, uh, you know, struggled mightily last week against the Packers, but that's also A, the rookie lumps, and then B, the fact that we did nothing to help him. Uh, Bill Lazor said during the week, 
You don't feel sorry for Tevin Jenkins. We think highly of him, and we expected him to do the job. (sighs) Well, that just tells you everything right there about the mentality of this coaching staff. It's like if we think you're good enough to be on this team, you're going to we expect you to perform at a high level at all times. Never mind the fact that uh, he was literally thrown into duty. He was just made active last week. He's had no live snaps or anything like that going against one of the top pass rushes in the NFL. And you expect him to deliver on a high level with no mistakes right off the bat. No help, no chips, no nothing. Okay. And nobody feels sorry for him, but all right, fine. So yeah, laser can go out with a lot of them as well. Not that I wanted the bears to hang on to uh, bill laser. I'm just saying that uh, after that stupid ass comment, I'm not going to miss him when he's gone. But, uh, you know, he did have a couple more penalties last night, but there's obviously the one that everybody's been talking about was, um, you know, Fields was uh, rolling to this, rolling to his right-hand side. Um, he does throw the football away. I don't know if he, was, if he tried to make a completion or what have you. Defender shoves Justin Fields. Now, technically, it was not an illegal hit, so there was no penalty, but... The defender didn't have to shove Fields like that. And he is, Fields has been getting no help from the referees all season long. Anybody wants to take a shot at Justin Fields will be justified in doing so. They just go ahead and they plow right into, like the fact that they flagged Hendricks yesterday and that fact that, you know, they ejected him for the hit that he had on Fields. (sighs) Like, wow. Not only did they call the flag, they actually did something about it. And then there was that one uh, blown play where, where Fields kneels down and then the defensive tackle, uh, in his defense, I don't think he's, he saw Fields kneel, but went all the way through to the tackle, body weight on top of him, the whole nine yards. Um, you know, and I, I expected nothing to happen, but instead they did. They had to have a conference before they finally threw a flag on it as opposed to what, what would have been with any other quarterback in the league, which would have been a knee-jerk thing for them to throw a flag after seeing a tackle like that, but, but there, you know, Jenkins saw the guy push, shove his quarterback to the ground, went over to the guy and said something to him. You know, they had some words, they talked and it was the typical case of the second guy getting caught because the guy that Jenkins was talking to was number 98. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. But as uh, Jenkins is getting in the guy's face and giving him words, number 90 joins the fracas, and he's the one that hits uh, Jenkins in the face. And when Jenkins got hit in the face, he retaliated and hit the guy back, and that's where the flag came in. And under normal circumstances, in any other football game, that probably would have upset me. Like, why'd you hit him back? Why'd you hit him back? But this time... No problem with it. None. None whatsoever. No issue. By exception, though there were two, actually. Number one, where the hell were his teammates? Why weren't there four guys getting in that guy? Why weren't there five guys getting in that guy's face for shoving fields to the ground like that? You know, and especially when all of a sudden Tevin Jenkins is under attack because it wasn't just number 90 that hit him that was hitting him, you know, there were a couple of Vikings, you know, there beating up on Tevin Jenkins and his teammates did nothing. And then for his trouble, Jermaine Afidi, who can kiss my entire asshole uh, for this nonsense, uh, goes in there and not only does he berate him, but he pushes him, puts hands on Tevin Jenkins. It's like, on one hand, I don't have a problem with him being the veteran, telling the rookie, you know, we can't have that, don't do that, or, you know, maybe pulling him in close and having a word with him, that's fine. But to put hands on him, to shove him and embarrass him like that, no, absolutely not. You know, Tevin Jenkins can play on my football team anytime. Jermaine Afidi, I'm glad you're on a one-year deal, bro, because I do not see us bringing you back next year and after last night I don't want you back I really don't that was a punk ass thing that you did so yeah 
So again, bear up to Tevin Jenkins, bear up Thomas Graham, you know, fantastic for the rookies last night. And, um, I look forward to, you know, if the, if the future is indicated by Justin Fields, Thomas Graham, Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins, you know, young guys like those, I can't wait for 2022 to see what somebody who's competent and knows what he's doing uh, can do uh, with this young crop of guys that we have, Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. There are some really young, nice pieces on this football team that in the right hands could probably do a lot for the Bears and for the city of Chicago. God knows we need it. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the deep dive review for week number 15. Bears fall to 4-10. and 10. Get ready for the 5-9 and nine Seattle Seahawks on the 26th, day after Christmas. Go out there to Seattle and uh, see if we can fend off the 12th man and get only our second victory since October 10th or something like that. So come on back on Thursday. Myself and uh, Michael Sean uh, Dugar from The Athletic in Seattle will uh, preview Bears and Seahawks and get you ready and then we'll do the deep vibe on friday on christmas eve get you ready for the game on sunday so come on back tomorrow on thursday for the preview for michael sean from the athletic the preview bears seahawks and until then my name is larry d and this has been bears talk underground